Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankleberg. And this is Greg Hutchins. Hey, Fred. Hey, Greg. Good to talk to you again. Happens to be a Tuesday, my favorite day of the week. <laughs> Mine is probably Friday afternoons, but well, that, yeah, you're loading okay. the car to go to the beach, go surfing or something like that. <laughs> I know that. Um, but you know, one of the, I don't have any particular reason why I like Tuesdays other than it, you got to pick a day. Is my thought. Um, one of the things we were chatting about earlier, and you sent me a, a link to, um, I think it was Quality Digest at the ASQ's big conference, annual conference. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they go and do a bunch of interviews with board members and CEOs and other execs at, within ASQ, the American Society. Is it of quality or for quality? I always forget what preposition they use. Oh, I think for quality. American <laughs> Society for Quality. Yeah, any whatever it is. Yeah, yeah ASQ. Great organization. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they, they, um, you sent me a link to a a YouTube video of an interview they did with one of the two CEOs, uh, where I guess there's two separate companies. I think her, she was the CEO of the side that I think of as ASQ. It's got membership and they do the news, they do a, a magazine and, um, they have the sections and the, and the different uh, divisions and stuff like that. And, um, and they talked about a whole range of different things, but the one that really I picked up on and I thought would be a great discussion point is that the, 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 they were asking about the decline in membership in the professional society and yeah, it's declining. And one of the reasons is that there are fewer named or titled reliability professionals in organizations. So I, I, and which didn't surprise me at all. HP never had big quality departments, very, very few of any of their divisions. Usually they were um, divisions that were brought into the company from some other company or were purchased at some point or merged that had a quality function. Um, but Bill and Dave basically said, no, it's everybody's job. We, we need to take care of creating quality right from the design and all the way through. And so it, it but it, the clients I work with, very few have more than, say, just a quality manager to meet customers. <laughs> it's kind of, it's just part of that. But then one of the things you mentioned a couple of days ago is you were looking for, it was a presentation you were working on that you said you had done 40 years prior. Yeah, so this is an interesting story. And you brought up a couple of really important points. So in this story here, a client or a would-be client wanted to talk on sort of what I thought would be the latest in uh, quality management, which essentially is risk management or enterprise risk management. So anyway, I sent them a deck. And they sort of were very kind. They're nice people. And they said, no, this is not what we want. And I said, well, what do you want? What do you want? (laughs) They said, well, we're just starting our quality journey. And I was sort of surprised because they're one of the biggest players in this vertical in the world. Great company, very sophisticated. And they're one of the drivers in 
the sector, but they wanted a very basic quality program. Well, when you say in basic, I think you mean traditional from traditional. 40 years ago. <laughs> exactly. You know, starting with inspection, moving to assurance, and then moving to quality management. And <laughs> I was thinking, this is almost back to the future. Um, well, you remember, T was it TQM, Total Quality Management, yep, out yep. of Asia? Uh-huh. And it was revolutionary new tools like talk to other people <laughs> and brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there was a, uh, uh, a piece the other day in LinkedIn, and I think you shared it with me, on the latest and greatest in quality management being the seven tools. Yeah. <laughs> seven tools, which we saw in the eighties, which were first introduced and produced or reintroduced in the fifties and sixties. And some of them got enhanced then, but I think most of them came from the twenties. In Ishikawa, yeah. checklist, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, SPC, you know, fundamental stuff. Yeah. It's been around a hundred years now. Absolutely. In one form or another. But, you know, there's a new consultant that comes out, writes a book, and has to change the name of everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know how that works. But, yeah, it's, to me, I mean, it was true in the 80s. We went through a whole pile of training in the 80s and 90s about all these new methods and learning all these new tools and all this good stuff. But I don't, there's very few clients I run into today that, other than asking you to help them figure out how to do inspection, you probably you could do a whole, you know, 20 minutes on what's the called polka yoka, where it's, it only fits one way yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Exactly. You know? But I think our, you know, my kids <laughs> don't know these things. They've never been taught this stuff, you know, or if they did, it was because their company brought it in. But some things, and this was the part that, I think this the AS and I've drawn a complete blank on her name. The CEO of ASQ is talking about is that well, on one hand, moving quality activities and functions and be you know and processes uh, to more the general population of your engineering staff or of your of your team is a good thing because now more people need to be dealing with quality and we can adjust and help them learn these tools and so. And and bring it on. And I I know you and I have talked about future of work for so many times. And I think this has just been an ongoing trend in general, is that just because your title's electrical engineer anymore doesn't mean you you're not doing reliability and risk and quality and environmentalism and supply chain and you know, you you're probably got fingers in all of those areas. Well, it was interesting, you know, in eighty seven, this was a pivotal year for quality. Because in 87, we had the 9001, we had the Malcolm Baldrige Quality Award, yeah. and we had lean. Uh, we had Six Sigma coming out of Motorola. Mm -hmm. and the from real a, Six Sigma, none of this real, fluffy yes, stuff the, they got out there now. Exactly. <laughs> the original, the OG. And from about 87 to 2000, quality went from individual contributor, manager, senior manager, director, and VP. Mm-hmm. So around 20 years ago, almost every company had a VP of quality. And now, because quality is part of, and reliability is part of almost everybody's job, what do we have? We have folks who are maybe a, a director level, 
many companies don't even have a director level. They have a manager mm-hmm. as head of quality. And we see that in ISO 9001. So the original standard came out in 87. And one of the requirements was there had to be a management representative. So the first management representatives in 87 were uh, manager, director, or VP levels. Lately, say in the last five, 10 years, ISO management representative in many companies is a clerical person. Yeah, they're just taking care of the the version re, versioning of the required documents and absolutely. You know, but the, the here's where I think the what quality missed is in quality in the big capital Q missed mm-hmm. is eighty seven. We still had Schuhart and I think Duran was still alive and doing mm-hmm. presentations, and Crosby was still around and doing his stuff. Um, you know, they were still gurus promoting this stuff and, and making things happen and so on. I don't know of any gurus that I could name today that had that kind of sway and so on. The nature of work has changed. Organizations are hyper-focused on what they think is their, you know, what they're good at, their value add, and they outsource everything else, including quality, <laughs> including reliability in some cases. <laughs> But what I've seen is that whether you have a named quality person on staff or not really doesn't matter whether you create a quality product or not or a reliable product. You don't have to have a reliability engineer to create a reliable product. That's just that's not correlated. It has more to do with the culture, which is something that is created and formed and enhanced and modified by senior management and the or senior personalities within the organization that dictate or drive the culture. People like us do things like this. We think through the impact on quality when we make a decision. We think through the impact on reliability. What is the risk we're facing with this decision? How do we think that through? If those things are pervasive through the culture of an organization, they can consistently make quality 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 and reliable products. There's no doubt in my mind and face minimum risks in doing so. And because I've seen it, I've seen organizations that get it and they don't have a quality person. They left five years ago, but they taught them how to do it. And then they made it a self-sustaining process. So if you get onboarded there, you come up to speed on all this way of dealing with your work. I don't know that the quality profession has recognized that, Mm -hmm that's important not just that we're going to teach people how to do inspection i think that's (laughs) that's not helping here guys you know there's that famous quote that says uh culture will have will eat uh, strategy yeah or breakfast yeah yeah (laughs) and that's so true and you can see the culture and organization really quickly and you're right culture will always win Unfortunately, a lot of companies are still fear-based. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's unfortunate. And that, I think, is going to exist and separate the good from the bad uh, companies over in the long haul. Um, but I I think we don't have a 1987-type vortex of, you know, all these different events and activities and standards and things coming together all at once. Um, it's more of that uh, slow change over the decade of we're having to reinvent what quality is again 
And I think that's the part that to me was missing from that interview was they were adjusting to where they could make money as opposed to being, and one of her quotes was, I thought was useful was, is what's Mm -hmm. the impact we have on the industry? And I like, I think you're missing the point here is that (laughs) doing some training around the edges and publishing a couple of books once in a while is just not going to do it. Um, You're, you're reacting to the change in environment and you're not, you did not direct this ASQ did not make this change occur. So you're not ahead of the, you're not impacting anything other than just touching around the edges. This it's kind of my takeaway from that. So I don't give them a whole lot more future. Uh, so the CEO right now, I think is Ann Jordan. Yes, that's right. Very smart. She's a lawyer. Um, the numbers that were quoted, I think went were, ASQ has gone from 150,000, say mid 90s, down to 50, 55,000 now. Yep. And that's a big, big, big change, big delta. And your point is are they reacting? Are they responding? Or more importantly, are they shaping the market for quality? And that's a big question. I don't know what they're doing. Um, and I think that was <laughs> that was one of the things that uh, Quality Digest was trying to drive at is how are you shaping the market for quality, reliability, risk management? Yeah. Meaning, because if you can shape the market, you're thinking future. If you're reacting, you're thinking in the past. Yeah. No, I think they're gonna. I, the impression I got from the interview is that no, they're reacting, and. Ouch. <laughs> you know, I really do think they were. And, and and that's one of those quality precepts that Duran and Shuart and all these other folks is, is well, doing so is you're going to be a day late and a dollar short. Kind of to say it succinctly is that that's not going to make it work. Um, it, it, in, maybe I was fortunate. HP had um, this attitude of, and it came right from the CEOs, is no, we don't need a quality department that's we have to build that in 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 all of our business management processes it's just it's got to be what we do and yep, yep. most divisions got that and did well with it but as that erodes and as soon as and i, I it was a, a presentation i had not seen before and i hadn't even heard of the gentleman that it was somebody it was a senior person out of um uh, toyota and was hired by GM to help them get it. What's what does Toyota do? Kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he said one of the presentations I recently saw of it was the difference between Toyota and GM. And GM is top-down management. Here's your rules and regulations. Here's your uh, work breakdown structure. Here's, you know, we're going to watch everything you do and check all your work and we're going to inspect it like crazy and we're going to fine you if you don't get it right and blah, blah, blah. There's big oversight and checking uh, an institution of check and double check and blame people. (laughs) (laughs) Toyota was really focused on enabling every individual to find areas that need improvement, find the defects and then take action on them, fix things, you know, go, you don't have to get permission to say this needs to be better. And it was an attitude of it's everybody's job 
to find the issues. And, and the next slide was, as soon as you have a quality manager, everybody else in the, is the role of a quality manager or the quality person, everybody else in the organization doesn't have to do it now. That's their job. And I've seen so many organizations like that. Oh, well, Phil does that. He's the reliability guy. We don't touch reliability. And this is the director of engineering. We don't do reliability in our group because Phil does that. He's in the reliability department. <sighs> okay. <laughs> That's just not going to work. And I think that was this guy. And I'm hesitating pronouncing the name because I've never, I didn't hear pronounce. So I really know I would not get it right. Um, mm -hmm. But it, but the idea was, is that as soon as you assign a quality department and charge them with creating the quality aspects of the product, you've lost because now the rest of the organization is given permission to just check out. We don't, they don't have to do quality anymore. And I, I think the idea is that we've known these things, like Shuhart said, the line operator needs to make the measurements and make the uh, plot the control chart because they're in the place, the best place to mm -hmm. see what's causing the, the changes. And so many people are now doing software and it's automated and it goes up to some database someplace and some engineer looks at it every couple of months. It's like, all right, it's just not the idea here, guys. <laughs> Yeah. It's, so part of me is this, this idea of shaping uh, the quality or the future of quality. Or what does this really mean in, in the changing nature of how we're working is just get back to what we did a hundred years ago. It's restarted. And I think it typified by this organization. You've got a call from saying, Hey, we want to learn the basics and we want to start with something we know is not good, but we need to start somewhere and, and build from that. And I'm like, Hmm. Do we need to do that for the whole industry? So, yeah, just a quick thought and sort of picking up on that. So what we're really talking about is GM had a top-down approach and Toyota had a bottom-up approach mm -hmm. where everybody on the line, whether it's engineering, product development, or production, had skin in the game. In other words, they cared Another way to say that is they gave a shit. <laughs> well, there's that, but they also were empowered to do something. There was no fear of saying, no, this isn't right. We got to deal something. I don't know the solution or I do have some ideas, but either way, they weren't afraid to do that. There was no retribution. And that's right. So I think in the old days, that was called Kanban, where somebody could pull a on-on cord and basically stop the line. Interestingly, now we're seeing that philosophy, Kanban, move from production, TPS production, TPS is Toyota production system, to software. We're seeing it now in project management, and mm -hmm. it's called Kanbanize. Check it out sometime. <laughs> Kanban, I-Z-E. Yeah. It's sort of like cannibalized. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not cannibalized, but yeah. Yeah, it's basically, you know, you got skin in the game. You see a problem, whether it's reliability, quality in the software, and you stop what you're doing and fix it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to catch it five. <laughs> you know, after two months of shipping and then now it's a big problem. Yeah. Costing and, a thousand times more. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but the, you know, the basic issue, though, is, is that the 
the idea of, of paying attention to quality, I don't think that's going to go away one mm -hmm. way or the other. It's in uh, paying attention to reliability or risk. Those those aspects of a product or of the process of running a business are going to exist whether you pay attention to them or not. And there are various ways of paying attention to it. Some are more efficient or effective than others, but I think the, you know, hats off to the team that said, hey, we need to get built, you know, we need to learn this and master it. And they're looking long-term. We got this, we know it's going to take time. We need to get started. That's fine. I, I That's okay. I also think that it's unfortunate that we don't have uh, societal level structures in place that this is a good way to start. Let's not start with what we've been doing since the 1800s. Let's start with what we know really works today. And that's the unfortunate part, I think, is if we're going to restart, let's try not to restart with not knowing anything. Yes, exactly, exactly. And the question is, how do you make, how do you solve these bigger problems in companies? You know, they're sometimes systemic. Yeah. You know, because people like, you know, people on the line, you know, they can only fix what's really in front of them. Yeah. Well, a, a good start, though, Greg, is listen to our podcast here. It's a... <laughs> you know take take write down action items from every podcast and go make it happen you'll be way better off <laughs> am i hearing this is uh, we're reaching the end of this podcast <laughs> well that i have to mention those you, you remember the song um by arlo guthrie uh, alice's restaurant well i sure do yeah and the part where he goes and, you know, if, if one person walks into the recruiter's office and sings one bar of Alice's restaurant, masquerade, they'll think he's crazy and kick him out. If two people, if two people go into it. And now if, if everybody goes into it, all hundred people, they'll think it's a movement and that's what it is. You know, to, to paraphrase this really excellent song, you know, if, if enough people start talking about this is, you know, let's take care of quality and reliability and stuff and build it into the culture of our organization. It, that's the movement we're working on. So that's what I was getting at. I would add one thing, Fred. Think risk. Because I think right now, and I shared with you some of the articles this week, mm -hmm. there's much more emphasis on risk management than almost anything. So I want to put in that little plug for my little area. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks for, and thanks for sending me over that link to the video. I'll have to remember to add that to the show notes uh, so we, others can see what the, what the was it Anne? And Jordan. And Jordan um, had to say, because I thought it was a, it was a well done interview. I think the, the folks doing the questioning were well prepared, which is uh, good for them. And, and she did just fine. And I thought it was pretty uh, honest set of responses. So that I think it was very well done. So anyway, let's leave it like that. If you um, have some thoughts about where you stand with quality, reliability or risk and, you know, what kind of, challenges you're facing with the culture uh, that's around you and you know just even the state of the new hires you're bringing in um let us know head over to ascendoreliability.com slash sor and you can find a couple ways to get in touch with us greg and i and the other co-hosts of the show are all available on linkedin and on our about pages on the site so plenty of ways for you to get in touch love to hear your take on this one because i think there's way more to the topic than we just uh, got started with today 
So with that, thanks so much. And Greg, we'll talk to you again pretty soon. Talk soon, Fred. Thanks a lot. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.